Welcome to the Seeing Red Podcast. That's right, that's right. It is another edition here of the Seeing Red Podcast. My name is Troy Moriello and I am your host, bringing you up to date and up to speed on all things St. John's basketball. And we come to you with, I think, our second ever Monday uh, edition of the Seeing Red Podcast. We don't usually do episodes this early in the week, but because of the big weekend for St. John's, because of the holiday week coming up as well, I wanted to get out a show on a Monday to recap the big weekend for St. John's. So I'm going to be talking with uh, Brendan Myers in, in a few minutes. He's going to make some history as the first ever uh, guest to come on for two consecutive shows, but he was at the uh, Mohegan Sun this weekend calling the games for WSJU Radio. So he will be coming on to break down... Uh, uh, these two, these uh, this one, these two games is one and one weekend for St. John's with an 80 to 67 loss to Arizona State, and then a nice rebound on Sunday with a 78 to 63 win over UMass. So we're gonna get to Brendan in a second. First, just some quick thoughts from me. Uh, the one and one weekend at the Basketball Hall of Fame tip-off. I think pretty much as most of us expected, they go out and lose to Arizona State and then defeat UMass. Kind of uh, the same game basically played, just different results for St. John's that first game uh, felt like they were in control for a majority of the way and then just kind of fell apart in the second half they allowed 49 points in the second half and were outscored 49 to 27 in that 13 point loss and then kind of flipping the script uh, fell behind by as many as I think eight in the second half against UMass and then got some help from some unlikely stars in this game David Carraher uh, Josh Roberts as well uh, stepped up big time and ended up leading the Red Storm to a 41 to 20 25 second half against UMass in their 15 point win. So kind of the same game, just uh, different results for St. John's. But if you would have asked me, I would have said it would be a one and one weekend for St. John's one way or the other. I would have preferred a win over Arizona State and then a loss to uh, Virginia. I just would have liked to see them play Virginia, you know, a top 10 team defending national champions, that championship pedigree, and a team that's really been the best defensive team in the country over the last, you know, five years, really. So it would have been cool to see them play Virginia, even if it was in a losing effort. But at the end of the day, they get out of out of Mohegan Sun with the one and one uh, split, which I think is what everyone expected. They're still five and two on the year, which if you would have said um, preseason, what will they be after seven games? I think most fans probably would have said no better than five and two uh to be honest they haven't slipped up yet knock on wood they haven't slipped up yet against uh one of these lesser opponents and hopefully they can continue that trend they have some games uh that are very winnable and should be you know easy wins against st peter's and brown and uh wagner and albany coming up so those should be easy wins and i think at the start of the year i said to myself and i think i said on the show as well that it should be a nine and four uh non-conference slate for st john's i think they they're nearing that as well. They should certainly get to nine wins now that they're five and two. And then we'll see what happens against West Virginia and Arizona. Obviously, you never expect a win against a team like Arizona, who is a top 15 team in the country at this point. Uh, but we will see about that. And then West Virginia, you know, it's a toss-up game, obviously, against them at the Garden on December 7th. But being, you know, a little less optimistic, maybe you would say nine and four. They lose both those games and go into conference play nine and four and, and give Mike Anderson a real shot at uh, continuing his uh, streak of seasons above 500 but we will see that's that's all down the road 
I first want to talk a little bit about the weekend for the Red Storm. I thought that, you know, a little bit of the optimism may be gone from that early season run that they went on or from the start that they went on the 4 and 1 start obviously in that uh, Arizona State game where they just absolutely fell apart in the second half. Um there are some positives to be taken away from this weekend as a whole and there are some negatives. I'll I'll start with the negatives. Uh, obviously you have to look at the play of Mustafa Heron. That's just the, the most glaring negative here uh, in his two games. That first game, I thought that you know he really was one of the main reasons why they lost that game. Played 27 minutes, went 1 of 8 from the field and 0 of 2 from 3-point range. Scored only 5 points, had no assists, no steals, and only 2 rebounds. Just a, an awful game from Heron, who has really, really struggled since those first two games of the season. He has just been a train wreck, and uh, really he needs to get back on track. And then the second game, he was in foul trouble really the entire way, picked up four fouls relatively early, only played 16 minutes, shot two of five from the field, but again, 0 of two from three-point range, and only scored six points. So, I mean, honestly, if, if you would have went into this weekend and said Mustafa Heron in the two games combined was going to score 11 points, I would have said St. John's is probably going uh, winless in the, in this tournament. So that's, I think, a positive. And even, even LJ Figueroa only combined to score 24 points. So, I mean, in the two games, LJ Figueroa and Mustafa Mustafa Heron, who we assumed would average to score anywhere from 30 to 40 points a game for St. John's, combined in these two games, they only score 35 points combined between the two of them in uh, in these two games. I think if you would have you know said on Friday that's the output that they're going to get out of their two stars, I think you would have probably said this is going to be an 0-2 weekend for St. John's. So really credit to uh, to some of the bench players, which I'll get to in a second, or some of the role players, which I'll get to in a second for the Red Storm. But that was the most glaring negative from this weekend was Mustafa Heron, who just, he needs to get back on track, you know, because you can't expect these type of games out of David Carraher and Josh Roberts just yet. I know that they've been consistent so far this season, but going into the Big East, you just can't expect that from them uh, night in and night out. You need a guy like Mustafa Heron to get back on track and, you know, getting getting into foul trouble in this second game didn't help, obviously, but his shot has just been a mess. Uh, we're going to talk to Brendan Myers in a second, see if he has anything that he could diagnose uh, Mustafa Heron with, why he is struggling so bad from the field with this shot if it's a mental thing if it's something that he's doing wrong with the shot so we'll see in a second what uh what brendan has to say about that but that was my first negative um from the arizona state game i my biggest takeaway from that with the coaching at least listen i'm not gonna overly get on mike anderson for the rotations or anything like that uh he's still you know in really his fifth month coaching these guys he's coached these guys for now six or seven games really um you know it's tough for him to really figure out his rotations just yet, so I'm not going to totally get on him. What I didn't love, though, was that game was, I think, 15-3, to and he did what he's been doing all season long, which is basically taking out every starter and then putting in that second unit with Sears, Erlington, William, Williams, Dunn, and Carraher. And in this in this game, at least, against Arizona State, it just felt like that, that second unit kind of just let that lead slip away. And that went from being a 15-3 to game that looked like St. John's might really cruise to a win. And I, and I know that they took a nine-point lead into halftime, but that little run by Arizona State to get back and really tie that game up early in the first half or midway through the first half really changed the complexion of that game, in my mind. That turned that game into really a dogfight when it looked like it might be, you know, an easy, you know, 10 to 15 point win for 
for St. John's for a team that really, you know, in that early part of the, of the game looked like they were 10 to 15 points better than. So I didn't love that he, he did that again where he just put the entire second unit out on the floor and took his entire starting uh, unit off the off the floor. But um, like I said, he's still kind of figuring out his way. I didn't love that they didn't press as much against Arizona State as well. Uh, it looked like the Sun Devils may have been a little bit shaky there, but they only forced um, they only forced 13 turnovers in this game, and uh, they had 16 themselves. I think they had more turnovers than field goals in the second half, so that was a big problem for the Red Storm as well, where they just kind of crumbled in that second half against Arizona State. Um, against UMass, the press really wasn't all that effective as well. They did force 17 turnovers and looked like they kind of wore down the Minutemen down the stretch, but uh, in that first half and really early in that second half, the press was not effective, so that's a little bit of a concern for me uh, going forward, but those are really my, my two big negatives from the weekend. You know, I, I think that after that uh, Arizona State game, some of the optimism of this early season may be gone, but I think overall uh, the Red Storm are still in a, in a good spot right now. The positives, I mean, what more can you say about Josh Roberts? This guy has been a, a, just a, a beast so far for St. John's. That Arizona State game, he was held to just four points and eight rebounds and two blocks, but then one of the huge pieces in that win against UMass with 16 points, eight rebounds, and three blocks. I mean, He's just been dominant so far, and Julian Champagny as well has been awesome. Uh, he's just been he's been their most consistent player by far. He had 15 points and seven rebounds and three steals in that first game, and then in the second game he goes for 12 points and seven rebounds and three steals. So I mean, just a consistent you know anywhere from like 10 to 15 points, anywhere from like seven to 10 rebounds a game for Champagny, who has just been a dominant freshman. And I think that Roberts and Champagny are two guys where if if they are guys that are three- and four-year players for St. John's, those are guys that you can build a program around because uh, both of them just look like their potential is through the roof right now. And I'm really, really curious to see, obviously for the rest of this season, but then next season and beyond, seeing where these two guys can go uh, because, like I said, their potential is just unmatched right now. And uh, I'm, I'm really, really curious to see what they both blossom into as players because they both have that raw talent. You're seeing it, and they're already making an impact uh, for this team. And then in that UMass game as well, uh, David Carraher have to give him credit when six of eight from the field, three of five from the three point lane, uh, three point line, and led St. John's with 17 points off the bench. His best game in a St. John's uniform, and he carried them down the stretch. So some help for, from some unlikely sources in that UMass win, and Carraher and Roberts and Champagny as well. Uh, those guys really took over the game. Credit Mike Anderson in this as well for sticking with that unit, was for sticking with guys like Carraher her down the stretch instead of bringing back in Figueroa and Heron who were both in foul trouble leaving those guys out while St. John's is making that comeback I thought it was a gritty win for St. John's and give Mike Anderson credit for sticking with those reserves down the stretch instead of putting his starters back in who were struggling from the field instead of putting those guys back in sticking with the reserves in the second game and allowing them to go on that run to really bring St. John's back in the game and then help uh, St. John's pull away as well from UMass to uh, secure the 78-60 to three win the 15 point win and get to five and two on the season so yeah those are just my quick thoughts on the win on the win Sunday for St. John's and the loss Saturday as well five and two now and uh, they'll have a couple of days off they'll have Thanksgiving off before they take on Wagner next um, next 
Saturday in what should be an easy win for St. John's, hopefully, and uh, St. Peter's as well the following week. So those should be two nice wins for St. John's, hopefully again, as they uh, will hopefully be 7-2 and two going into that big game against West Virginia in their Garden debut on December, se- uh, de- December 7th. But uh, we will now get to Brendan Myers. We're going to break down the weekend of St. John's basketball with him. He was there, like I said, with WSJU Radio, and he becomes the first ever back-to-back guest on on this show and we will talk to Brendan right now and hear his thoughts on the weekend at Mohegan Sun for the Red Storm. All right, I'm now joined once again by Brendan Myers. He, I think, makes history as the first ever uh, back-to-back guest on this show. He was on Thursday to pre, pre- to preview the uh, Mohegan Sun tournament, and now since he was calling it for WSJU, we are having him on again on Monday to break everything down. Brendan, my first question: How does it feel to be making some history today? I'm just wondering when I get that Legends Classic Champions t-shirt that you promised me <laughs> it's, for, it's, for coming on the most times of any guest. Oh, it's in the mail. Don't worry about it. it. It should get to you in like 7 to 10. Well, we got the holiday coming up, so it might be a little bit longer. Maybe next week. I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> so, um, I mean, what was the experience like at Mohegan Sun? Talk about, uh, it seemed like there was a good amount of St. John's fans there, right? Yeah, definitely, especially for that first game against Arizona State. Second day against UMass. A little bit less attendance as expected, but mm-hmm. I honestly thought that the, the fan bases had traveled the best in this tournament, and, and Virginia was close, but I thought UMass and St. John's actually traveled the best uh, as far as fan bases, which is expected because of the two teams that were the closest to Mohegan Sun. Mm-hmm. But I, I was actually pretty impressed, especially with UMass. A lot of their fans came. Ever, when they played Virginia in the first game, mm-hmm. it was pretty loud, man, especially when <laughs> UMass made that second half run. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's almost like a UMass home game, but it was the same thing. The first game against Arizona State was definitely more like a St. John's home game. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I was just yeah, disappointed did, that they couldn't pull that one out. Yeah, exactly. It didn't seem like the atmosphere was really there for that that Sunday game. It looked like it was a mostly empty arena, unfortunately. But uh, yeah, so um, St. John's, obviously, they get the split. I think we all would have preferred, I, I said this in the open, I think we all would have preferred the win over Arizona State and then the loss to Virginia if they were going to split. But uh, they do get the split. I mean, but let's start with Arizona State. That second half, man, I like what happened? Like They just completely fell apart. Well, that's the thing is I I don't know what happened because to me it really didn't seem. We were just talking about this before we started recording. Yeah, it really didn't seem like Arizona State changed that much. Mm-hmm. Remy Martin got hot and he had 13 straight points at one point, mm-hmm. but it was more St. John just throwing the ball away. I mean, they turned the ball off the inbounds pass maybe twice, mm-hmm. and then a couple of other times, Rutherford Dunn coming up the floor just threw it into the bench with no pressure. I just think Arizona State for whatever reason got into St. John's heads in the second half and they were making poor decisions, a lot of turnovers, especially because St. John's was actually doing a good job of getting out in transition. Mm-hmm. But then when they were running the fast break, it seemed like every time down they were making the wrong decision. Mm-hmm. And, and that just kept adding up. I mean, just a tale of two heads going into the half nine point lead and then 49 to 27 in the second half. I mean, there's really nothing more to say about that game, but the frustrating part is that Arizona State is not a team that is 13 points better than St. John's. St. John's did more to lose this game, I thought, than Arizona State did to win it. Oh, yeah, they just gave it away. Yeah, and, and I mean, when, when they 
when they lose games, you know, over the years, and especially this season, they've only lost two, but that, that Vermont game, at least, it, it feels like, you know, the three-point shooting is going to kill them and the turnovers. Well, Arizona State only shot five of 19 from three. It wasn't like they were, you know, unconscious from three. I know that they shot like 60% from the field in the second half, I think, but still, it, it just felt like Arizona State didn't do anything. I, you're right. They didn't, like, St. John's just gave that game away, it felt like. Um, I mean, you know, I don't really know what else to say about that game. It just it felt like they gave it away, like you said. Um, what about the the pressure for St. John's in that in that first game? It, it feels like they didn't, I mean, they forced, I think, 13 turnovers. It feels like they didn't really, you know, do that full court press 40 minutes to hell that, that Anderson's preached so much. No, I was definitely surprised because they really didn't even use it in the UMass game either. Mm-hmm. UMass actually come, came out in the, the full court press, pressing most of the game, so I thought it was going to be interesting to see them match up with each other like that. Mm-hmm. And not to jump ahead to that UMass game, we'll finish off with this the yeah. State game, but mm-hmm. I was definitely surprised, especially because it didn't... It looked like Remy Martin and, and Jalen House came out a little bit, but I would have liked to have seen a little bit more pressure because those guys seem to be... Sh- getting sped up a lot mm-hmm. and, and not really making the best decisions when they when the game was coming along fast. I mean, Jalen House, who was the backup point guard for Arizona State, actually came in and was a, their best player for most of the first half when yeah. they were struggling. Mm-hmm. But it seemed like when he got sped up, he was a little bit out of control with the ball. So I would have liked to have seen a little bit more from St. John's. And then when they did run the press, they didn't really, and they weren't really able to set up the traps in the corner. Arizona State was pretty easily able to get the ball in the middle of the floor. So... Mm-hmm. It is what it is. I I mentioned it last time I was on. I still think they're getting down and learning the press. Yeah, it's not really something they did a lot with Mullen, and I think it's showing right now that they're still learning it. Mm-hmm. And the only thing I could think of is that Anderson doesn't really like where it's at right now to run that press for a large majority of the game. Yeah, I could see that. Mm-hmm. And um, I mean. We saw in the, in their first loss, uh, Anthony Lamb just took over for Vermont, and then you, you touched on it a little bit in this Arizona State game. Remy Martin had the what the thirteen straight points. Felt like he just kind of took over that game for Arizona State, and then even against UMass, that guy uh, Weeks just felt like he kind of had a moment where he kind of took over that game as well. I, I don't like you know, especially with with Vermont and Arizona State, where it's their best player, and that's two of your losses now, where you just let their best player really take over the game and had just no answer for him whatsoever. However, I, I don't like that. Yeah, well, the difference, and I agree with you 100%, Troy, but the difference between what Remy Martin did and what TJ Weeks did on Sunday for UMass was Martin struggled in the first half. St. John's wasn't able to keep it up in the second mm-hmm. half. Mm-hmm. TJ Weeks was unconscious in the first half, but then out of the locker, I mean, he did nothing in the second half. Yeah, so that just goes to show that they made the proper adjustments, but I definitely agree. And, and Anderson touched on it in the press conference with Martin a little bit after the game where he said he's a good basketball player. Um, it, it is what it is. He's gonna he's gonna get his points, and I agree with that to a certain extent. But the thirteen straight points is a little bit uh, concerning. And St. John's really should have pounced. And right now, I'm just looking for the team to show that they have that killer instinct because Arizona State was on the ropes for yeah. most of that first half, mm-hmm. but they just kept letting them hang around. And Troy, one thing we have to talk about the free throw struggle. Oh man. my god, I know. Oh my goodness. And, just... and I think that's part of the killer instinct because there was one point in in the first half of the UMass game on Sunday where St. John's had missed five free throws and, and they were up six points. So mm-hmm. you're talking about a double-digit lead if, mm-hmm. if you're more successful in the free throws. And, and that's what they need to do to take the next step. And that's how you put teams away. Just keep building on that lead with free throws at the charity strike. But, not, but they weren't converting on them and they just kept letting the teams hang around. 
and it almost bit them on Sunday, and it certainly bit them on Saturday. Oh, absolutely, yeah. And and let's let's now kind of we'll we'll bridge to the second game with this. Uh, Mustafa Heron in that first game scores five points, goes one of eight from the field, uh, and then in that UMass game scores six points, uh, was in foul trouble really for most of the second half, and uh, goes two of five from the field. Are, are you like noticing anything that he's doing wrong with his shot? He, he I don't think he hit one three pointer this entire weekend. Um, just feels like he's off. Is it a mental thing? Maybe are you noticing anything with his shot from being there? What what can you say about that? I think it's got to be a mental thing. And Troy, one thing I'm noticing about you mentioned he was in foul trouble on Sunday. Mm-hmm. There are offensive fouls that he's getting called for. Yeah, and mm-hmm. and that's something that's really interesting. It seems like I think he knows that he's struggling right now, and I think that he's trying to force it so much that he, when he gets the ball, he's putting his head down and he's just going, and he really isn't playing with real basketball awareness where he's driving and kicking like we see and we know he can do mm-hmm. because he's, he's a very underrated passer I think mm-hmm. And but right now he's just putting his head down and he's driving like a bull in a china shop and he's getting, he's getting called for a lot of charges Yeah, and that's where the foul trouble's coming so Anderson this was also something he mentioned in the press conference after the Arizona State game where he said us as a coaching staff we need to try to find more ways to get him in areas where he's comfortable with and there was one particular instance where I noticed that on Sunday mm-hmm. where Heron tried to go ISO on the right baseline, didn't see anything. He wisely pulled it back out. They cycled the ball around the top of the key. Heron had a baseline cut, ended up on the low block on the left side, one-on-one for isolation at the elbow. He beat his man, backed him down, and then converted the basket in the foul. Now he missed the free throw, so that, that's yeah. going to change, obviously. <laughs> but I think that's the next step for him. He's just got to get his confidence back right now. Mm-hmm. I think and that starts with easy baskets. He's just got to focus on getting his touch back around the rim, and then that confidence, I think, will build back into the jump shot. Because he really wasn't taking that many jump shots. No, yeah. A, mm-hmm. a lot of the shots he was taking were missed floaters and missed layups around the lane, mm-hmm. because it seems like right now when he's driving, he's a little bit out of control. Mm-hmm. I think that's because he's forcing it and he is the lack of confidence is showing right now. Yeah, and you mentioned about the, the drive and kick as well. This weekend in two games, one combined assist and six turnovers for him. So so your your, your point is well taken there, obviously, with him. Um, staying on Heron and kind of talking about Figueroa now a little bit, they combined in both of these games, I think, for 35 points total and 17 of them came from Figueroa in that first game when he had 13 in the first half, I believe. So if you would have went into this weekend and said St. John's get 35 points total in two games between their from their two best players and they get out with a split, I think you'd be ecstatic, to be honest. Uh, Josh Roberts, Julian Champagny, I mean, who, who do you want to talk about first with, with all those guys? Carraher as well. Uh, a bunch of guys stepped up for St. John's. I think Sunday, obviously, because they, they got the win a large part because of those other players. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I, I kind of broke it down into, into three different things. It's a shame because all Rutherford's going to get remembered for the UMass game is that wide-open missed layup. Yeah, yep. <laughs> Unfortunate. But his on-ball defense in that second half was incredible. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was hounding Sean East and some of those other UMass guards, forced a bunch of turnovers, forced a bunch of errant passes, other deflections. His on-ball defense set the tone. Mm-hmm. And then you had Josh Roberts make a ton of clutch plays down the stretch. Mm-hmm. And there was one play where there's a complete defensive breakdown uh, and Trey Mitchell just had a wide open layup. Josh Roberts came from the other elbow and blocked the shot, mm-hmm. forced the stop, St. John's goes down the other end. 
So that's the same bucket right there. And then how many times have we seen putback dunk, putback mm-hmm. layup, offensive rebound? So the clutch plays down the stretch for Josh Roberts, just picking up trash in the lane mm-hmm. was amazing. And then David Carragher, the, the obvious impact, because he's the one that came off the bench, 17 points, by far and away his best game in a St. John's uniform. Mm-hmm. Thus far, we've seen him in limited minutes. Mm-hmm. But that's just good to see, and it's encouraging to St. John's fans. And I also think it's encouraging to the team that they can say, we're not a two-man team right now. And I think it just goes a long way in giving a player like David Carrier confidence. It says, when when the other guys, when Mustafa and LJ are down, I could go out there and I could be the guy who saw Dunn against Vermont do it. Mm-hmm. So I think it's all, this is a confidence builder right now, especially with the way that UMass game went, where there was time there, Donnie, in the second half is looking like this weekend was heading for a disaster mm-hmm. so the fact that they recovered because of some of those guys that um, might have been considered unsung heroes I think that goes a long way in building their confidence and just a complete role reversal UMass goes into that one point lead and then St. John's outscores them 41-25 in the second half mm-hmm. so we saw Arizona State almost double them up in the second half now St. John's almost doubles up UMass in the second half mm-hmm. so just polar opposite games but one it's important that they left the tournament on a high note that's for sure yeah absolutely and one more guy I want to touch on at least is is Julian Champagny who has seems like he's just become a consistent like 10 to 15 points uh, for St. John's and then like anywhere from 7 to 10 rebounds He's played in, in seven games so far in his college career, and it looks like he's like a junior or a senior. I mean, this guy has been incredible. I think if he's a four-year player, this is a guy that you can build around because he he's basically a consistent like three-point shot away from being a guy who has no weaknesses in his game, in my opinion. Yeah, I definitely agree with you. One thing, my only knock on Champagne is I want to see him be a little bit more aggressive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right now, I, agree. I think I think he's playing his role to a T, and he's doing it extremely well. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't want to take anything away from it, but I want to see him be a little bit more aggressive. Right now, you see him with a lot of mid-range jumpers off catch and shoots. I want to see him do a little bit more driving to the basket. But he's another guy like Josh Roberts that's just always around the ball. Mm-hmm. When there's a loose ball around the rim, Julian Champagne and Josh Roberts oftentimes are fighting each other for it. Mm-hmm. And same thing on <laughs> defensive rebounds. And that, that's a good problem to have moving forward, especially when rebounding has been such a huge issue in the past four seasons. Uh, absolutely. And, and to, to, to round out the weekend – um, again, I, I hate to, to compare this team and this Mike Anderson era to you know previous regimes, especially the Mullen regime. But a, as you mentioned before, you know down by you know eight points in the second half to UMass in this consolation game in a, in a half-empty arena, basically felt like this weekend, like you said, was headed for disaster. Instead, they go on this big run and they end up really winning, going away in this game. I, I hate to say this, but I have to. It, it feels like last year or even you know in years past this would have been a loss and this would have been the disaster weekend for St. John's and even last year it feels like this would have been a game like we saw against Cal and Georgia Tech where it was just give the ball to Shamori Ponds and let him just take a bunch of shots and hope he makes a couple of crazy shots to get us to the win I, I like that it's been a, it's a team win now and not only that but it, it just avoids the disaster that we've seen in the past couple of seasons yeah, Troy, I like what you mentioned. I think it's an important point about the half-empty arena because they, they, the St. John's fans were cheering, obviously, but yeah. they weren't getting a ton of energy from the crowd. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I forget what the exact run was, but when St. John's took back the lead for the first time in the second half after being down eight, UMass called the timeout, and Nick Rutherford went down the other end of the floor screaming and flexing. And mm-hmm. that's just it, – it's such a minor thing, and it's a game against UMass, um, not – 
in the grand scheme of things, might not have that big of an impact on season. Mm-hmm. But just seeing the emotion and how much they wanted that, that's something that that's encouraging, especially because last year I absolutely agree with you that that's a game that might get away from St. John's last season, mm-hmm. given the atmosphere and given the circumstances, especially with the way the Arizona State game went on Saturday. Exactly, and that's that's just good to see. And those those are little things in in the program, like like you said, this game. You know, we at the end of the season, we probably won't remember uh, much about this game. But you know, I, I just think that's little things about this program that we're seeing different different uh, in the Mike Anderson era that we saw in the two previous regimes. Mm-hmm. And I know this isn't the Seeing Maroon podcast. I know we're not talking about UMass. <laughs> yep. But I just I just want to say that they really impressed me. I mean, they're a squad that was picked down at the bottom of the A-10. We were actually uh, sitting next to the UMass student radio. They were two really nice kids, and we were just talking about it. And I was like, where were you guys picked to, pick, pick to finish in the A-10? Because they were 5-1 and one at that point. Yeah. They gave Virginia all that they could handle. Mm-hmm. And, man, they could shoot the hell out of them all. Yeah, they impressed they will me. Shoot for, they will shoot from anywhere. Mm-hmm. And their mm-hmm. best shooter was this Carl Pierre, and he really didn't even have that good of a, a two-game stretch. Mm-hmm. But I, 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 I mean, I know this isn't the target market, but I'm looking for UMass <laughs> for a couple upsets over there in the A-10. Yeah, you never know. You never know. Um, to, to, to round it out, obviously 5-2 and two now. They have six uh, non-conference games left before getting into the conference slate. I'm going on the record saying I think they'll be nine and four. I, I said that at the start of the year about a month ago. I said I think that they're going to go nine nine and four in the non-conference. I mean, the, these they have these four gimme games, obviously that they they shouldn't lose, and they've shown shown no indication really that they've they're, they're going to lose one of these bye games. And then um, obviously the West Virginia and the Arizona game are toss-ups, but I'll give them two losses there. I'm thinking nine and four. What are you thinking for the rest of the non-conference? from sleep agree with you 100 percent. they might end up losing the west virginia game but i think that's a must-win game that's your first game at the garden yeah. of the season that's a that's a real big test west virginia another power five team they've been down the past couple seasons mm-hmm. but you know with bob huggins they're going to come out pressing they're going to come out in your face but i think that's a game that you have to win Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and and that's a game that's another like swing game, like you mentioned. I remember when you were on last week, you kind of said, you know, I, you want them to upset, you know, Villanova or, or us Seton Hall, or pick up a win against one of those type of top of conference yeah. biggie teams. That's kind of one of those games where I feel like a win in that game is a real swing game for this season to be to be possibly ten and three going into conference play as well. Yeah, because right now they've beaten who they were supposed to beat. Yeah, you can argue about the Vermont game. I think at home with the way it went, I thought they should have gotten it done. Yeah. But Vermont mm-hmm. still take nothing away from Vermont. Anthony Lamb is one of the best players in the country. Mm-hmm. So you can say that Vermont was supposed to win that game. So for the most part, St. John's is, is beat who they were supposed to mm-hmm. and lost who they were supposed to as well. Again, question the Arizona State game. They had that one in the bag. <laughs> yep. Both of the games but, really, yep. <laughs> but now it's about winning those swing. I like that term choice, swing games. Now mm-hmm. it's about winning those swing games, games that could go either way and just showing that this team is ready. Maybe, maybe not even ready, but just they're building and the foundation there, but they, this team has the roster mm. and the talent to beat a West Virginia. And I think on, on December 21st, I think they have enough to give Arizona a run for their money. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that's going to be more like an Arizona home game just because it's in San Francisco mm-hmm. on the West coast. Mm-hmm. But you, got, you just, it's about showing that, that you're building something special here at St. John. That's what they need to do. But I really, I'm pointing that West Virginia game mm-hmm. is a must win, not even for like tournament purposes, to be honest with yeah, you. Yeah. Just mm-hmm. saying that St. John's is here and they're not going to be a pushover this year. 
winning that game will go a long way in doing that. Absolutely. It'll be interesting to see. Well, uh, if you're going to be at that game, I'll, I will uh, definitely see you then because that'll be my first game of the year that I'll be going to. Are you going to be at that one? Um, to be decided. I know I'm not broadcasting it. I was talking to Nick Bellow. I might be there for the torch. All right, cool. Well, uh, well, maybe I'll see you then. But I want, I want to thank you, man, for coming on uh, two times in a row. I really appreciate it. No, I'm just waiting for that Legends Classic championship. <laughs> Seven to ten days, man. I'm telling you, next week it'll be there, right? <laughs> Looking forward to it. All right, talk to you soon, man. Thank you again. All right, bye, Fred. All right, thank you again to Brendan Myers for coming on there. First guy ever to come on for two straight shows, but I really appreciate that. Brendan obviously helped us preview the Mohegan Sun, and then since he was calling it for WSJU, I said, why not come on again on Monday to help us break everything down? So really appreciate him doing that for us, and he helps us break down the one-and-one weekend for St. John's with the loss to Arizona State and then the win against UMass uh, yesterday. Really appreciate Brendan and all he did last year for this podcast and now this season as well coming on a few times and we'll definitely have him on throughout the season as as the year goes for St. John's. And hopefully Brendan and I will see each other on December 7th. And hopefully I see some some fans of this show on December 7th uh, when I'm at my first game of the year. I'll be at that game at the Garden. A big game against West Virginia. Not sure exactly where I'm sitting yet, but uh, maybe I'll let some people know. But uh, yeah, that'll be, my, that'll be my first game of the year on December 7th against, against West Virginia. Just to, to end the show now, we will not have a show uh, anymore any later this week unless something crazy happens with St. John's so uh, we will enjoy the the Thanksgiving weekend obviously the long weekend and then next next week I'm going to try to hopefully do one of these you know longer uh, interview style uh, or you know feature style interviews that I've done in the past uh, like the one with Howie Schwab remember we had Billy Materatona on last year so something like that hopefully will be in the works for uh, for next week uh, like a bigger name guest that we can get on since I think they play St. Peter's over the weekend we're not going to you know really break down that game in depth so we'll see about that i will uh, obviously keep everyone posted and have the show out if if we do if we do end up getting a guest like that but we'll see uh as a whole i want to thank everyone for listening to this show and i want to thank everyone for all the support throughout the season and i want to wish everyone a very very happy thanksgiving happy and healthy thanksgiving uh coming up later this week but for now that ends the show for today and i will see everyone next week let's go johnny's